What's interesting in chapter 8, um, from, 20, or from verse 1 to 27, uh, is primarily focused on which person of the Trinity? Which person of the Trinity is chapter 8 through 27 primarily focused on? Holy Spirit, okay, very focused on the Spirit, how the Spirit works within us, how it moves within us, all of that. When we get into verse 28 and through the rest of the chapter, it is focused on God the Father. Okay? And it's an important distinction to know. Uh, it's an important distinction to know that uh, it's another way that we understand that there is a trinity and there is three persons of the Godhead, okay? So just know that, that we're not going to be speaking uh, in the rest of the chapter here about the Holy Spirit. We're going to be speaking primarily about God, okay? Um, all focused on God. The God the Father, I should say, um, 21 through 27, is focused on God the Holy Spirit. Okay? So when it says we know and we know, this is a, and we're going to go word by, or, you know, phrase by, or section, little section by little section today, and really pick this verse apart. We know. Okay, the, your blanks there is this is a confident statement about God. Okay, as Christians, and this is uh, really focusing in on the Christian, the believer here, and we know this isn't saying that all people know. Okay, and all people don't know this. This is referring directly to believers. And we know that all things work together. Now, in verse 26, it says, we don't know. And so the Holy Spirit prays for us. So in our lives as believers, there are many things we don't understand, we don't know, we're confused on, we struggle with. It's talked about in this chapter, the, the struggles and the groanings and the hardships that we go through as believers. And the Holy Spirit will pray for us because we don't even know what to pray for. And He intercedes for us. And we, are, we, we just don't know often um, which way to turn and, and how to deal with life situations. But then Paul gets into verse 28 here and says, And we know this is a statement of fact about we have confidence in who God is. If you're a believer today, you know this about God. Okay? And you'll, and you'll begin to fall in love more with Him uh, the more you know Him and know about Him. We know. Okay, uh, Paul is writing to Roman um, Christians here, most likely with the understanding that they uh, were had a good understanding of Scripture, and he was um, encouraging them in their understanding and saying, "We know." Okay, very important that we distinguish that Christians. A lot of times in our lives, we don't know things. We struggle with things, and that's what 26 is talking about. But when we get to the confidence we have in God, we can say with a surety that we know that God causes all things to work together for good. Okay? Very important. All right, getting down to the next section there. God causes... God causes, okay? Uh, Romans 6.28. Okay, your long line, your, yeah, your lines without a point are going to be verses. So if I, if I give you verses to look up or whatever, that's where you can write that there. Romans 8.26, Okay. Eight twenty-six, yeah, two verses back. 
The Holy Spirit is a wonderful gift given to us. Okay, God causes. God is the one that is in what? Control. Okay? It's important that we see that here. Okay? This isn't we cause. Okay? Scripture doesn't say, and we cause all things to work together for good. It says, God causes all things. Okay? So we want to break this down and really uh, chew on this. Okay? This is a... Um, I took my wife on a date this week, and I had a steak, and man, it was good. It's one of those steaks that you chew slowly and just really enjoy, okay? Uh, that is what this section is. It's a, it's a, a piece of uh, meat that we want to chew really slow and get everything out of, okay? Um, Psalms 115, verse 3. Who wants to grab Psalms 115, verse 3? Isaiah 45, 6 and 7. Okay. Job uh, 12, 10. You get that, Dean. And First um, Chronicles 29. 11 and 12. Okay, Jessica's got that. All right, so Psalm 115, verse 3. Okay, this is all going to be in understanding of God is in control. Okay, pretty, pretty straightforward, blunt statement, right? Our God is in the heavens. He does whatever he pleases. Okay, if somebody says that guy can do whatever he pleases, usually it means you can't stop him from doing it, right? Okay, you get the big guy, you know, that comes in and he says, that guy can do whatever he wants. Well, he's big enough to do whatever he wants. This is a statement about God. He, but he lives in the heavens and he can do whatever he pleases. Okay, God is in complete control. Isaiah 45, 6 and 7. Okay. God is the one that is in control. The rising of the sun, the darkness... Create of disasters. He is in control. No doubt about it. Job 12.10. In his hands is the... Read that one more time. Okay, so in God's hands, he holds the power of life and every, the breath of every living thing, okay? All right, and First Chronicles 29, 11, and 12. Okay, so these, and obviously these are just a small portion of sets of verses that talk about God's uh, control. God is over everything, in control of everything. Uh, nothing is done without His stamp of approval. And so important as we look at this chapter and why I was talking about how it it ties chapter 8 together and really gives us uh, strength because what did we read in chapter 8 previous? 
that we're going to struggle, right? There's going to be struggle. We read that in chapter 7 and chapter 8. There's going to be struggles with our flesh. There's going to be struggles of persecution. There's going to be groanings. There's going to be hardships. All of this stuff is mentioned previous to verse 28. And so when he gets there and says, and we know that God causes... He's talking about the God that we just read. If you notice, all of those verses are where? Where do we find them? Old Testament, right? So anyone that had the Scriptures of that day in Romans day, they would have known these verses because they would have had the Old Testament together and be able to know that God that he's saying here, the God that causes is the God that is in complete control of everything. And, and I really enjoy the fact that we have slowed down our teaching in this chapter uh, and uh, really taking our time. This is a major uh, verse that will strengthen a Christian's life. Oftentimes we, we read it and we're like, hey, that's pretty good, and we move on. But it's so important in our Bible study and our Bible reading and when we teach the Word of God that sometimes we really slow down and see what is the author really wanting us to grab here. And I, and I believe here that these words are powerful and have, are packed with meaning packed with meaning. God causes is a huge statement. Huge statement. God causes. He is in control of everything. Okay? All right. Moving to the next little section there. Okay? All things. And this is another important thing that is in here. God causes all things. Okay, God is in control of everything. Okay? Not that God is just in control. He is in control of everything. Everything. There isn't anything outside of His control. He doesn't, uh, as one pastor said, He, he doesn't, uh, he's, we're not a watch where He built it, wound it up, set it on a shelf and said, well, let's see how this thing plays out. Okay, that is not the God that, this is, that Paul is talking about here. The God that he's talking about is in everything. In everything. There's nothing that he is not in or a part of and controls. Okay? And we'll see that here in the next section of verses. Romans 11, which will be here in probably the next two or three years. The way we're going. <laughs> All right, Romans 11, 20, or 36, okay? This should be um, another one of those verses uh, that you have written down and memorized. Absolutely amazing verse, okay? So someone grab a, so, uh, Romans eleven thirty six, and then Ephesians 1, 11 and 12. Ephesians 1, 11 and 12, and Isaiah... 55, 8 through 11. You got Isaiah, okay. Who's got Ephesians? Mike, and then Jessica, you want to get Romans eleven thirty six. Romans eleven thirty six. For from Him, and through Him, and to Him are what? All things. Okay? Same, same understanding as in 8.28. God is, causes all things. All things. There's nothing um, here that God is... I mean, it's for Him, from Him, through Him, in Him. And what is it for? His glory. 
the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel would say it's for whose glory? Our glory. It's for us. Okay? That is so far from what Scripture would teach. It is for His glory and His honor alone. All right? Uh, Ephesians 1, 11 and 12. Okay, excellent. Wonderful set of verses there. Okay, talking about He is in control. Okay, who works all things. Again, that word shows up in verse 11. He works all things after the control of His will. Okay, nothing outside of His will. Nothing outside of what he um, is in control of. All right? Isaiah 55, 8 through 11. Okay, yeah, and another wonderful statement of he is in complete control of everything. Everything. There's nothing outside of his control. Yeah. You know, and when we, when we understand, when we read this, oftentimes we read it, we're encouraged, uh, and we read it in our context. Okay. What's going on in Rome when Paul's writing this? Everybody liking each other? Everybody shaking hands? Everybody is happy with Christians at this point? No, there's not. There's torment, or there's 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 persecution going on. There's there, it's not a um, there's sufferings as we see in verse tw- uh, verse eighteen. Okay, for I consider the sufferings of this present time. That's that's written to the Romans there, okay? Um, and so when we read this, that God causes all things, uh, this is good or bad. All things. Not only the good things. Not only the nice paycheck and the nice house and the nice car and all of the nice things that we have. God causes those things. But He also causes all things. Philippians uh, 4, somewhere. Somewhere in Philippians 4. Yep. Yeah, that is. Okay. Now, when we see um, God causes all things to work together, okay? All things. And the, we'll get to work together here in a second. We want to remember that God causes even the evil, wicked deeds of this world to work together. And how do we know that? How do we know that with certainty that God causes the evil, wicked things of this world? Chapter 9, but there's a, an event <laughs> yes. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Okay. One major event, the most evil event that has ever taken place, the crucifixion of Christ. 
You could not come up with a more evil, desirous plan than to crucify the Son of the living God. But God caused that to work out for our good. Because without that weak, wicked plan to crucify the Savior, we would not have life. And so God is in control even of what the wicked do. Okay? Which should be, as we said at the top, an encouraging promise. This should encourage us beyond our uh, imagination. Because he is never in heaven wondering, ooh, what am I going to do with Joe today? Man, I don't know. Okay, that that's never crosses uh, his mind. He, he's never at a loss for, uh, for what to do or what to say or think. God is always working uh, for the believer's good. Okay? And he knows. Who's, and again, we, we covered this briefly, but who's, who's causing? Are we doing this? Is this verse saying anything about us doing anything? Where in this verse does it say anything about we doing anything? And you're going to say, well, it does, and I'm going to prove you wrong there. But, okay, where it talks about for those that love God, we're going to, we're going to get there, though. Okay. All right. So we covered all things. Okay. And now we're going to get work together. Okay. God causes all things, not some things, but all things to work together. This is a, this is in the present tense. That's your blank there. This is in the present tense. Okay. It doesn't say God caused all things. Right? If he used the word caused, what would that be? Past tense. God causes all things to work together. So this is a present tense statement. God is working every moment of every day. Very important okay, that we realize that this is a present tense statement. Ongoing statement. God is in control and causing everything to work together for good every moment of every day. This is not a... Um, let me see here. Oh. <laughs> uh. Well, you know I have dyslexia, so sometimes I can't even read what I want. There is no contingency. contingency. It's a big word, so you can give me a contingency here, okay? There is no contingency for the believer, okay? I can because it's there. <laughs> contingency, okay? What does this mean? What, what is there's no contingency here? Okay, this is not... Something that depends on you and I. This is so important. Okay, God doesn't say here anything about what we have to do. It's not a contingency of, well, if you do this, then I'll cause everything in your life to work together for good. No, that's not what the statement said here. It's not about that at all. It is about God causing everything to work together for good for the believers. Okay, this isn't, what's important is it's not a special type of Christian that gets this. It's not that Christian that has got to the next level of his Christianity. It's not for the pastors, or just the deacons, or just this section of people. The ones that read their Bible for, you know, 15 hours a day. That's not what this is getting at at all, okay? God works all things together 
And this is, this is all-inclusive. This, this has to do with all believers. There isn't a contingency here that you must do X, Y, Z, and then everything you do will work together. Kind of like it? Yeah, God causes all things. You know, our sufferings is included in that to work together. Our sufferings, our hardships. Okay? And I believe Paul here is, used, is has in mind every aspect of life, but I think his primary focus is to get us to understand the struggles. Because it's not hard for us to understand the good things work together for good, Right? Where none of us are going to be in here thinking, I wonder if having this nice new house is a good thing or not. No, that, that doesn't cross our mind, okay? I wonder if my loved one having cancer, and you think my heartache, my, my groanings within me because of this world and its, uh, its sinful uh, effects on us, we can come back to this verse and say God has something good for it, for us. He's going to cause something. And it's a hope that we have. doesn't say anywhere in here that it makes it easy to go through. Or that life is just going to be a bud of roses. But we have the confidence in Him because we know, as believers, that He causes all things to work together. Okay? All right, now we get to that one verse, or that two, the two words that so often uh, can be misunderstood, okay? For good. Okay, you got a question there. What do... Yes, sir. Uh, present tense is your first one. God is working every moment of every day. Okay. There is no what? You're laughing at me. C O N T I N G E N C Y. Contingency. The word I just spelled. In this verse for believers. Believers. Okay. What do we believe the good is? Right, but for the good. What, what do we believe that Paul is driving at here when he says for, for good? Okay. Good. Trusting God, we okay, causes all things to work together for good. You're gonna cheat, you already know. <laughs> Teacher's pet right there. Okay, go ahead, Jess. What does it mean? Okay, so it drops down one verse. Okay, and again, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this because Dean's going to cover it, but this is what this is talking about. Obviously, this is all connected together. Okay? Verse 29 says, for, these, for those who He foreknew, He also predestined to become conformed to the image of His Son. Okay, that is the good. God causes all things to work together for good. The good is that we are conformed to the image of His Son. That's what this is saying here. 
So everything that happens in our lives, good or bad, God causes to work together for good, and the good is that we are conformed to the image of His Son. Well, and we are becoming conformed to the image of His Son. That's whatever the glory all points to. We are becoming conformed. And so he takes the circumstances of life, all things, and, conf- and is in control of that for the purpose of the good. And the good is that we become conformed to the image of his son. Okay? So, so, so important that we don't miss that. Okay, what we said earlier is all in within that is true. Okay, that's God's purpose, God's glory, but the specific purpose of the good here is that we are conformed to the image of His Son. That's what it's getting at there. Yes, ma'am. Conformed to the image of His Son, that we are to be like Him. To we're going to be like Christ. That God causes all things to happen in our life and is going to cause them to work together so that we become more like Christ. Yeah. So that we look like Christ. We're called Christians. What does the word Christian mean? Christ like. God causes everything in our lives to happen for good, and the good is that we will be Christ-like. Okay? Very good. All right, so any, any other thoughts or questions on uh, the good there? Okay. Um, let me see here. With the good to those who, those who, okay? What is this saying? Yeah, very good, okay? This promise is not given to your blank is everyone. It is only given to what group of people? Believers, okay? God, it doesn't say anywhere here that God causes all things to work together for the world. Okay? Because the world, and if you understand, and it makes sense when you understand, the world cannot be conformed into the image of His Son. Why? We can't be image bearers of who we are not with. Well, we'll get to that one here in just a second, okay? Where it's at the end of the verse where it says called, okay? <clears throat> Paul covers all kinds of stuff in this, okay? But it's just important that we realize that this promise is not a promise given to uh, every person. It is given to believers and all believers, Okay? Not a certain set of believers, not a higher form of believer. Okay, and, and you will see this in some circles taught that way that uh, God causes all things to work together for good for those that love Him, and they'll say, "See, tells you, this is for only those that you know love and care for Him will will get this promise." And that is not what's being said, Joseph. Just and the unjust. Common grace, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, when we think about it, I am commonly gracious to all the children in this church, right? 
uncommonly gracious to all of the children in this church. But there's something different about my two kids that I treat differently, right? I care for them much differently than I care for Dean's children or any of the other children, okay? And yes, I, well, I don't like your kids, but uh, he doesn't have kids. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> but um, that, that is, a, is a good point that, you know, if Jackson is running out there and, and falls and, and hurts his knee, I'm going to go over and pick him up and care for him. Okay, so common grace, I'm going to care for the, you know, if one of the kids need a drink or something, you know, I'll care for them, um, but um, I take care of my kids much different, and that's what God's, or Paul is getting at through really all of Romans when he gets into this, is God takes care of his own, his adopted children that are heirs according to promise, uh, yeah, there's a much different um, care for them than just the world okay very good all right love god is your next section there okay now when you read this how many of you think that that's a conditional statement Hmm? it sounds like it doesn't it Okay, because it says, and we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God. Now, what have we learned in the book of Romans? No one loves God except for who? Except for believers. Okay, so this again is talking about all Believers. All believers. Okay? And Paul uses this term a few other times. He doesn't use it a lot. Um, the love God and talking about salvation. Okay? But this is not a conditional, um, I love God more than you, and so this promise is more effective on me than it is on you. Okay? I hope I'm driving that point home very clearly. The word there, or the statement made, those that love God, this is specifically talking about believers. Were you just moving your hair? <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, all right. So let's go to 1 Corinthians 2 9. 1 Corinthians 8 3. And 1 Corinthians 16 22. 1 Corinthians 2.9, 1 Corinthians 8.3, 1 Corinthians 16.22. Okay, yeah, your blanks here. This is not a higher form. Okay, the blank there. This is not a higher form of believer or spiritual, uh, spiritually, um, a spiritual category of believer. Okay, so it's not a a certain higher form of believer, and I, I covered this, but that's what your blanks are, or a special category of believer. Okay, that's not what the love God is referring to. This is all inclusive statement about believers, all believers. Love God. Now, this is important for us to understand. Everyone in this room has a different personality. And they act out their personality in different ways. I show my love for God differently than my wife does and differently than Mike does and differently than Dean does. And so when we read this and it says the... Uh, the those that love God, you have every person in your love for God doesn't always stay at a 10. It dips and comes. And that's why it's so important that we understand that this has nothing to do with our uh, obedience to God. This has to do with our security in God. Our security in salvation. 
This is all about God, not about us. This isn't how, how much we love Him, how much we do for Him, and then He'll do this for us. Okay, this is a security of the believer statement that God is the one that causes all things to work together for them that love God. The word, the, the statement, those that love God is those believers. Okay? And how do we understand that? Paul talks about it elsewhere. Okay? So 1 Corinthians 2.9. Who's got that one? Okay? You get the next one. Go ahead. Hey, all that God has prepared for those that love Him. Okay? What, what is being said there about the people that love Him? This is a group of people that are believers. It's not a special group of believers. It's just talking about believers. Yeah, it's all believers. Okay? There is no special group of believers. What is, a, what is a wonderful statement? We are all what at the cross, at the foot of the cross? Equal. We're all equal. Pastors to the, to the little children that are believers, we're all equal at the foot of the cross. Now we have different roles and different positions and different authorities in our lives, and that's different than our position at, uh, with God. Okay? Michaela, my oldest daughter, is not more special to me than my youngest daughter, Samantha. And my love for them, now I'm not perfect whatsoever, um, and so my love can, but I strive to show my children equal love. God is perfect in it, and we are all equal at the foot of the cross. Okay, Important that we understand that. Eight three. Hey, if anyone loves God, he is known by Him. All inclusive. If you love Him, He knows you. So the opposite of that would be what? If you don't love Him, He don't know you. Okay. It's just true. Now, again, understanding we do struggle, and there's times, even within myself, when I lost my dad to cancer, there was times in my heart I would say I did not love God. Okay, I was not happy with him. Uh, I accused him of taking my father when I was a, a young man. All right, um, that is. That is an emotion. If we read the, uh, the Psalms and we read David, right? David often is filled with emotion. Filled with emotion. And God understands that. But ultimately, the love for God is those that are believers. Okay? 16.22. Okay? Okay, so you have two different statements there, okay, and, and really what I wanted to bring out in those is, if you love God, He knows you, if you don't love God, you're accursed. There's just two groups of people, those that love God, and those that don't, okay, so when you read this, I don't want you to read 28 and thinking, I need to love God more so I can get this blessing. Now, if you want to say, I need to love God more and stop there, I'll totally agree with you. Totally. 100% say, you're right on. Yes, you do need to love God more because we all do. But if you say, I need to love God more so that all things will work together for good for me, it's a wrong understanding of this passage. Joseph. And that's where, I, that's where I brought up the, the personality, right? Some people, personality-wise, 
Man, you can just see it's written all over their face, their love for God. They're talking about him all the time. And sometimes you think, man, I want to be like the XYZ person because they're always just overflowing. But again, it's personality. My brother-in-law is, my brother-in-law could walk into a room uh, and not know anyone in there and be friends with half the group in a matter of minutes. That's his personality. I walk into the room and I'm, I'm just standing back here. Go tell him hi, Jess, okay? <laughs> That's my personality. My personality isn't to be right in the middle of, uh, of all the people I don't know. Now, if I know you, that's a different scenario, but I'm not, the, the, not going to be the life of your party, okay? If that's what you're wanting, don't invite me, all right? I'll give you my brother-in-law's phone number, Okay? You think of love as love? Humans can. God doesn't. Okay. Humans, um, ha- you know, have different levels of love, and and and, and Scripture speaks to that. Um, but the word love here is just another form of saying believer. Okay, believers love God. Right. Our brothers and sisters, yeah. Very good. Okay. Those who are called. Okay, and this will get to your uh, question earlier. Okay. There are two types of calls in the Bible. Okay. All-inclusive statement about believers. Okay. Those who are called. Okay, two types of calls in the Bible. Okay. Someone grab 2 Timothy 1 9, Matthew 22 14. First, uh, we just read that one. No, we didn't. 1 Corinthians 1 9. We just read 2 9. 1 Corinthians 1 9. 1 Peter 2 9. Uh, Second Peter, or yeah, sorry, Second Timothy one nine. Lots of nines. Okay, go ahead and grab two. Second uh, Timothy one nine. Okay, so that one would be, there's two different kinds of callings. Okay, you have a general call. Okay, when we preach or go out and witness, it's a general call to everyone. Then you have the effectual call. In that verse, which one would that be? No. What, what does the verse say? Yeah, it's a holy calling. It's a calling. It's an effectual calling. It is the calling of the believer. Okay. One's a general calling. Effectual. E-F-E-C-T-U-A-L. General is just a, I'm sharing the gospel with the public. Okay? It's a general call. You hear it. It's a general call. When you, when that general call goes out, the Holy Spirit affects Joseph's heart, and that's when it becomes effectual, and you accept. Okay, there's two types. Okay, Matthew twenty-two fourteen. 
Okay, so that's where we get those two. Many are called. Okay, that general call goes out to many. Okay, but only a few have the effectual call or chosen. All right, Dean's going to get into these. You might rehear these verses even next week. Okay, 1 Corinthians 1 9. Okay, again, that is an effectual call. That is talking about the believer. Not just the general call, but that's someone that God has called and regenerated. Okay, and has brought new life into them. Okay, and that's the reason why I'm bringing this up is because it's talked about here and says to those who are called. Okay, and then 1 Peter 2.9. Okay, who has called you out of darkness. Okay, that effectual call has brought you into his adopted family. Okay, and according to his purpose is Romans, your blank there is Romans 8.28 is the purpose. And I will stop there because Dean is going to explain that to us next week. Okay, and I don't have any more time. That was perfect. Okay, so hope you were encouraged this morning. Hope you have a good or a better or uh, uh, more literal understanding of that passage. Okay, let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for, again, this verse and the verses to come. Uh, Lord, how encouraging and um, mind-blowing they can be to us. Lord, how much you care for us and love us. Lord, I pray that we would take this and be utterly encouraged today in you, strengthened in you, uh, and renewed in you. And Lord, we just thank you for that. In your name, amen.